it's like pure magic over there. There is something going on in Tulum and that whole area where it's just like, it honestly feels like Burning Man. I don't know if you know anything about Burning Man, if you've been or what, you know, but it's like, it feels like a portal of really powerful, beautiful energy that is just like pretty, um, pretty magical, honestly. Wow. That's yeah. It sounds like paradise. Yeah, it's it's definitely like it, it's paradise, and it also brings up like anything that's when within us that needs to be looked at. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting how the energy of that place like does that instantly. Like the second you arrive, like there's things that happen to everyone that's like showing them, okay, look at this within yourself. Like look at this, look at this, and Ooh. it's pretty interesting. Wonder, that's super interesting because. The way that I thought about it originally, like as soon as you said that, I thought like, because obviously like, yes, you could see it like on a very deeper, like energetic standpoint, but I guess I was at first thinking about it like a little bit more surface level. So like seeing like all these people around you that are like very, very free and perhaps more free than you are. And it's like, oh, like, because it's like, you're kind of like rubbing up against like all of these, like, um, edges that you have you know what I'm saying yeah 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 and that, I mean that's what it is it's like how are I almost see it as like okay in what way does our ego try to protect us from this feeling of like oneness of unconditional love of like true like unity connection and like in what way is are we in somehow resistance towards that because that's essentially like who we are and that's what the, the ego is here to do is to like block us off from that so in some way it's like okay it's showing us this for us to look at to like just be more open be more free more love more like yeah a feeling of true true connection and that is actually like one of the scariest things for us because it, it kind of like reminds us of of dying because really the only thing that is keeping us like in this space is like is the ego so it's kind of like a really interesting thing when you look at it it's like our greatest fear is almost like our, our greatest freedom at the same time <laughs> and it gets really interesting when we start to look at it in that sense yeah it's like it's so it's always so interesting on these podcasts whenever I first get on with the guest because it's like I can do all this shit before the podcast that I want I can move I can get as much movement as I want I can burn sage I can do a crystal meditation like I can do literally anything but that's not always going to prevent that initial feeling of discomfort that I feel like as soon as I hop on with the new person that I'm seeing for the first time because those ego defenses always want to go up right away and it's like okay like how should I be yeah yeah I I feel you and that must be so interesting for you to really go into those to go into this setting it's like okay I just hit up this person on Instagram I don't really know much about them and like here we go what what's the adventure bring so yeah I feel you how how amazing that what an incredible experience yeah well let's get thank you and and let's get into the adventure so everyone welcome to the soul food for thought podcast this is Jenny is it pronounced Mirembo so I was always I always said Mirembo in French it's like Mirembo and I don't speak French. My dad never taught me. He's from Haiti. He speaks it really well. So I, I, I pick it up a little bit, but I would normally just say Mirambo. Okay, cool. Um, so really like the reason why I reached out to you and why I was curious to have you on the podcast is because I sense this aliveness that you have, this freedom, um, a sense of living from 
your heart, mm. you know? Um, and it seems to me that, you know, you primarily, you know, like your life is really centered on movement, perhaps like movement is like a very key um, aspect to your life. And so my first question, well, first, I want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. Mm -hmm. Thank you for doing this also. Of course. Um, so my first question for you is, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> so I'm Jenny. Uh, people also refer to me as Jenergy, which is my Instagram handle, Jenergy Flow. And, and that is because it's not only because, okay, a lot of times I have a lot of energy, I'm moving, but also like I tune into energy deeply. I really, I, I tune into my body. I tune into how I feel. I tune into like the field around me and those and others. And I really pay close attention to energy. It's not just like, okay, what's on the surface, but what's really going on energetically between us, between us in society and as a collective, I really like to look at it. So I see myself um, in that sense. I'm also a dancer, a mover. Um, I really, I study a lot of uh, yoga, meditation, conscious movement, and how we can really connect all of these different aspects of, of like spirituality into just like, okay, who am I? Like, how can I embody whatever all of this is being, is being said? through my body, through movement, through expression, through tapping into the energy in my body and seeing like what wants to be expressed, what wants to flow. And through that, I do like private sessions. I call them self-healing sessions where we dive into what's alive for you in, in your life right now. And also what's alive in your body. Do we have some pain somewhere? What's also going on in the mental space? See how we can connect all of that. And then perhaps create an epic, if reform dance expression of our, of our true nature as opposed to like trying to hold back because there is some shame in our bodies that we're still holding on to, or maybe a little bit of fear. Like, how can we really dance through that? That's all um, a lot of what I work with, with embodiment practice. Mm -hmm. That's powerful work. I, it's so fascinating to me because I see that with myself as well. You know, it's like that. It's just a fascination with how energy works. Like, on the very deep level, like, why is everything the way that it is? Why are things moving in this certain direction? Why are things manifesting in this certain way? And perhaps there's that deep fascination with it because there's this, there's this like drive or inspiration to make things flow better. You know what I mean? Because like, I, I feel like if I was like within this system where it was all, you know, flowing seamlessly perhaps, and I felt, you know, completely free within myself, for example, perhaps I wouldn't be as fascinated with how the energy works because everything would just be what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that, that goes along with me and my journey. Like if I, felt free my whole life I wouldn't be on this path of like trying to heal and move something in my body because oh I'm already good but I've had various injuries and feelings like emotional blockages that I was like okay I'm not happy just living my whole life in this space um, that I know it's my own self limiting me from so what part of my psyche is holding back what part of my psyche still needs to like be unleashed and and in order to you know move past this so it's been a deep dive within my own self in order to get to the space of being like okay i figured out some things i'm not 100 like 
free, but like we're on our way there. And like, here's what I've done. And here's the paths that have really helped me. These are the practices that have really helped me. And these are the ways in which I look at things that help me to move past and feel like, okay, I'm up leveling myself like in every moment and every day and in every conversation, I'm constantly like seeing how can I, can I be more free, be more expressed, be more truly present with who I am underneath all of who I'm not. And, yeah. and I say the word, and I say the word unleash because now it's actually like a thing for me. I'm working with um, a team and it's called unleash movement. And we're actually creating transformational dance journeys in order to guide us through those parts that are still trying to hold back um, and in order to be free. So it's actually a global tour that we're on right now. I'm really excited about. So we're, we're unleashing the world. <laughs> That's beautiful. It's such, I mean, it's such a fun journey. It's such a fun yeah. experience to, because it's like moment to moment. It's like every moment, it's like, how am I being closed right now? <laughs> and it's like breaking through that tension. Like, I'm sure, you know, like as like a dancer and like just being so involved with these practices and like movements, like it feels so good to unleash and to literally break through that resistance. Yeah literally like oh shit finding finding more of myself finding more of myself oh cool that's something i've never done before i haven't felt that energy in that part of my body ever like oh great or like maybe it's like a feeling that restores from like we haven't felt that since we were a kid and then that's when things get really powerful because it's like oh there might be a whole like line of energy in my body that i've blocked off since i was a child because of some sort of trauma and now like i'm getting to look at that and open that up and allow that energy to flow through my being again. And it could even be like a little bit scary when it starts flowing again, because it's literally like, oh my gosh, a whole new vibration or new vibration or remembered vibration that had been lost from when, you know, that whatever that, you know, trauma was as a child that happens to, that happens to all of us in some way or another, you know, some may be very traumatic and very like difficult to move through. You know, some people's might be easier. It's like, everyone has their own journey, but nobody's perfect nobody has been through any sort of like perfect ideal situation because we're all living in this in this collective reality so mm -hmm. it's and that adventure and yeah like you said it is a it's a fun journey to unlock that because it's it's we're just becoming more light and free we're not in resistance right yeah and it's like when and whenever we're able to move ourselves in those new ways it like unlocks these, it like unlocks our mind as well. And we're able to think in different ways and like connect the dots and like yeah. bring all this cool shit together. Yeah, 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 literally. And then be able to have conversations like this where it's like, oh yeah, I totally get what you're talking about. Cause like I went through that and that crazy thing happened to me like a year and a half ago. And now this makes sense. It's like, it wouldn't have been, <laughs> we wouldn't have been able to have that if we didn't go through these things and be able to share from that experience that point of like okay I had this experience and now I can really you know dive in and, and feel you on an experiential level mm -hmm. yes so I want to get into movement later but um I want to ask you about you know some key experiences and obstacles that have really stood out you know along your path yeah um what really started, all of this started very intensely for me when I was in college, I actually had like a, a very traumatic knee injury. And I was at a point where I was just very uh, disconnected from myself, disconnected from my truth, from my heart, from my path, from my balanced masculine feminine energy. And I had this traumatic knee accident on my right side, uh, which really got me like feeling like, okay, what is the deeper meaning behind all this? Like, this is really, this is really intense. Like what is happening right now? Am I going to ever be able to like 
feel balanced again in my legs and like do sports and move and all the things that I love to do. Um, and that really got me on a whole other depth into like myself. And then that a few years later, after having knee surgery and then like the surgery kind of failing, and then, you know, a lot of hardships were going on within my body. I feel like, okay, what else is, is going on in my body? I can't just be the knee. This has got to be showing me something else about myself. And it really got me into yoga, into meditation and into self-healing in a way that I probably, I definitely would not have if it wasn't for this, because it was like, I want to move. Like I want to be able to move my body again properly. Like there's something like going on here, but I need to really get to the root of it. And so it really got me into more of like the emotional aspects of it, of like, how am I not fully receiving love and giving love uh, underneath this, this pain? Like it was always like showing me something else. And, and that was a challenge to look at. You know, I was having a lot of difficulty of like, okay, should I, you know, dive into the self-healing practice deeper or should I just go the traditional Western medicine route and get the knee surgery again? So there was a lot of complications and confusion within my own self of like, which path do I take? My intuition is guiding me this way and kind of just like go into it within my own self-healing. But then like doctors are telling me you need to just go and have knee surgery. And I was very confused and scared, actually really scared. And that brought up the, the fear of, of like essentially like dying too. And that's like a collective fear that we all carry. And that's like, okay, how do I manage all of this and still be able to see how I can heal myself. And it really got me into learning like the energy meridians in my body, learning how to tune in deep into how energy moves and how like, when it, when does it feel blocked and where is my breath blocking it? So it just got me to tune into my, my the whole, this whole thing around embodiment on like such a deep level. And it was a really, a real challenge for me because um, I was so active and such a mover that when it was something that was limited, literally limiting my legs, um, I would freak out and I'd have this massive wave of anxiety around my body. And I'm not, I'm not in my body. And to, to accept that was actually really difficult because I was so, you know, attached to being, you know, athletic or being a mover. I was never actually dancing when I was a kid. And so the whole thing around dance um, now has been uh, a, li a very liberating um, experience because it was actually moving past deep rooted levels of shame that I carried around my creativity, around my sexuality. And so that's another thing that the knee injury has brought up because I always loved to move, but I was actually having a, I was moving with a lot of restriction uh, because I was holding on to that shame. So the biggest um, emotional aspect to move through was was definitely a shame and and ways I still am but I've definitely moved like mountains past that so um I think in a lot of ways society holds on to shame we have a lot of um disconnect around our sexuality and that creates confusion all in the energy system in our body and within connections and relationships with people mm -hmm. yeah it's very um I guess like perhaps like just through looking at someone and like how they move, like you can tell how much of that, that they're still carrying. Yeah. And it's very easy to like put on like this very hard external exterior that seems strong, that seems yeah. whatever, but it's not. Cause like, even, I mean, I still encounter these blocks like all the time where it's like, I'll notice myself trying to 
and it's not even like consciously, but it's just like unconsciously trying to appear to be like strong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's really just like a protection mechanism. Right. And so I really have to like, think like in that moment, like, remember like what it is that you actually want, because this like trying to be hard or like whatever you're trying to do. Yeah. Is not like, like what, like, what is like, what do you expect it to bring you? Like, what do you actually want? Do you want to appear, you know, uh, more worthy or, or better than others? Or, or like, what is it? Because that's not what you want. What you want is freedom. What you want is openness. What you want is love. And that is through softening. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the whole thing right now with connecting with our inner feminine, whether we're man or woman, because that's, that's the energy of the feminine, the softness, the receptivity, the openness, the sensuality. And the feminine has been so suppressed in our society through, I mean, we can look at the way that mother nature gets, that's literally destroyed and, and suppressed in so many ways with, you know, deforestation, like the mining, um, you know, we've got the oil extraction, just everything. We're like stripping away the feminine in the collective within our actual earth. And also the way that the feminine has been suppressed energetically within ourselves. We literally, men are told to suppress and just be super strong. And women are told, you know, you've got to be tough in order to be strong in the workforce. So it's like, we're constantly suppressing that very essential side of ourselves. So that's why we live in a society that seems so off balance because it literally is energetically. And then once each individual comes into that remembrance within ourselves, it literally like restores the energy back into balance. And then we create, okay, so I'm, I'm coming from a more balanced space energetically internally within myself. Therefore I can create that externally in our collective environment. But when those individuals aren't looking at that and they're still coming from that really tough, like, oh, I just gotta like get it done, go, go, go. It's like, that's what's gonna, we're gonna create only, we're only going to create more of that outside of us as well too. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm curious to, I, I kind of want to like get inside of like your mind in a sense. So it's yeah. like from your perspective, like how do you understand, like I just want to hear like how you understand the body and like movement and, you know, like impulses within the body. Like how do you just like understand yourself on a moment to moment basis? I find that I really tune into where do I feel open, like in my breath, or where do I feel contracted? It's too, too, too right now. <laughs> Interesting. So, or where do I feel contracted? And so if I'm speaking and I'm sharing something and all of a sudden there's like this, this point of like contraction in my body, what is it that is going on in there? Is it shame? Is it fear? Just some sort of guilt that is restricting me from being able to just fully express and also within movement, if I'm dancing and all of a sudden there's supportive contraction, I'm not breathing all the way, I'm not trusting fully in myself, then my body goes into a state of contraction, which creates tension, which is the hardness, which is the, the like overpower of the masculine that's coming in, blocking off the free flowing feminine. When they're in balance, it's great. But when it's like one is way further off than the other, that's when, that's when things come out of balance and out of whack. So for a lot of it is really tuning in and just feeling like, okay, huh? Like for a long time, I didn't even realize that like years ago, I didn't even realize that I was in a, almost a constant state of anxiety. Like most of the time, because I was holding this part of my body, like internally around my, my solar plexus area that was holding on to shame. Once I realized that I was like 
ashamed of being who I am. That was when I really had to take a big look and like, oh, all of this, all of these sensations, this is like, I'm blocking, I'm literally like constricting sensation from being felt. And I was constricting myself from feeling pleasure, from feeling love, from feeling enjoyment. And like having to like accept that and be like, all right, damn, like I've been doing that for like a hell of a long time. And I didn't even know, like, cool, I accept myself. And now I'm just in the process of reprogramming that. So whenever it comes up again, it's like, all right, slow down, look within, feel within and start to really breathe. And that's where the whole practice of yoga comes in of like remembering, okay, I'm breathing into these spaces in my belly and my chest and, you know, and like even breathing into my mind so that I'm not over tensing my mind as well too. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. Um, Cause I feel like it's very easy to think that we have to like Because there was this, you know, there was a point like before I was interested in like the body really and like embodiment um, where I would just, I would be so hyper-focused in my mind about breaking through these mental blocks that I have, you know what I mean? About breaking through anxiety and certain fears and all these things. And it was only whenever I really decided that, you know, I was going to approach it through my body. And, you know, obviously like some plant medicine experiences helped me understand that and like really yeah. recognize the effectiveness of that. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, it's just like the body like kind of knows like what it's doing and the mind will follow. Yeah, yeah. And that's interesting. You brought up the point of plant medicines because usually it takes like a deep plant medicine experience oftentimes for people to start to feel these kind of things because without it, we're not taught that. Like if we were taught how to, from a very young age, how to listen to our bodies, how to tune in to our energy, how to connect, it would come more naturally. But when that's like literally been almost like that wisdom feels like it's been suppressed within our society and within the things that we're taught, then it kind of takes like, you know, a deep plant medicine experience to start to like have this like, oh, whoa, like here I am. Like you kind of come back online and maybe, okay, it's not like you're fully free, but you start to really be able to like feel things on a level that had been previously blocked off from our conscious awareness so it starts to open that up and then we can tune in a bit easier so when we have those experiences it, it's yeah it's very enlightening in, in a lot of ways mm -hmm. yeah I noticed like during this conversation like as we were talking it's like I felt primarily for me like like my solar plexus was like a little bit tight yeah um and so I'm curious like what if any part of the body do you think people neglect the most I feel the solar plexus actually like and that's that's been a big thing for me as well as I was talking about before I mean the solar plexus is what is blocked off by shame and I think in a lot of ways we are constantly worried about what other people think of us because underneath that we're afraid of being embarrassed and we don't want to show that we're embarrassed because oh that person's judging us because I'm not uh, you know, pretty enough, or I'm not saying things, or I'm not smart enough, or I don't have the clarity that I feel like I should have, and then I'm looking and I'm judging myself, really, is what it is, it's like, it doesn't really matter what those other people think, essentially, it's my own judgments of myself, and that turns into the, this feeling of, like, I, I don't want to be embarrassed, and then we're either trying to hide it, or it's there, and it makes us feel really uncomfortable, and then again, we can look at the digestive issues that most of society much of society has as well too and that that's all related in, in the stomach area 
and and the solar the solar plexus region as well. And so I think that's a big area that is being neglected and also not talked about because it's like, ooh, embarrassed. Like I don't want to, you know, talk about those things that are embarrassing, especially like when we were a kid, we were oftentimes like I for I a lot of my people that I've spoken with as well, and I speak for myself, have had these situations in which it was this uncomfortable feeling of being embarrassed. We didn't talk about it. We didn't like heal past it. We kind of just covered up and put stuff under on top of that. And now it's like the unpacking and oh, that's that's what it is. And sometimes it takes like a deep like plant medicine experience of like shedding your clothes and standing naked and being like, damn, look at all these like uncomfortable sensations that I was trying to hide for so long. Like, and then just feeling all of that, feeling all of it. Yeah. You can tell that you're you're a dancer because you're very dynamic like in your movement. <laughs> So props to you for real. Oh, thank you. Props to you. Um, okay, so I've seen you mention Tantra a few times on your Instagram, and I'm curious what that means to you and how you understand it. Because honestly, I'm not entirely clear on what it is. You know what I mean? Like for me, it's like one of those topics where it's like I hear about it all the time and I- yeah. Like I like I have a basic understanding of maybe what it is, but I'm curious like how you understand that and, and what you Yeah, think. I mean it, it is so broad also because you could have tantric sex, you could have tantric eating, you can have tantric practices with yourself. Like it doesn't necessarily mean like sex, although that is like what is kind of like traditionally stereotyped as, but really it's like just a deep dive into the senses, into sensuality and and like how is it that we are relating to the senses and like allowing them in as opposed to what we were saying before is like the suppression of all of these, these, these sensations. So like I could have like a, just a tantric connection with myself, just like really feeling and, and breathing into my, my body, feeling into my skin, feeling into like my own energy, energy inside and love. I could have like, you can have like a very deep, like tantric practice with a partner and that might just include like eye gazing and just like very deeply connecting with the other. Um, could also have like a, a deep tantric sex practice where you're actually like, you know, having intercourse and like very like visualizing the energy flowing like in one and out the other and having like a specific breathing practice routine that would enhance the energy and kind of like amplify it. Um, so yeah, it's like, there, there's so much. I mean, I know people who have done like tantric eating workshops where they're just like very sensually connecting with their food <laughs> and eating it as opposed to just like, all right, let me just stuff it down my, my face. So yes. I think it's more in, in the connection and of the energy and the like feeling of all, invo the invocation of all of the senses that um, kind of encompasses like a tantric practice. Yes, okay. I, I, I vibe with the tantric eating one, 100%. <laughs> it's like um something i've been gaining clarity on is like overeating and so my a way that i've been able to really like like something that i always say to myself is like okay sometimes you overeat because you're literally not even enjoying the food that you're eating mm. so it's like okay so i was experimenting with it and i was like wow like i actually enjoy the food a lot more if i actually let it like touch like my tongue yeah like actually let it touch like all parts of my tongue and like I feel like I, I can taste it more and it's more like enjoyable yeah 
Yeah, I feel you on that. That's definitely something I've worked on for sure. And and still am. Sometimes I just get so excited about food that I like eat it fast. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not even, I could enjoy it more. I slowed down as well too and just really mm -hmm. savored it. Right. Um, so what are some of your favorite like embodiment like practices? Dance just in general, like fully like putting on music or going to an ecstatic dance where there's already like super like amplified music and really like channeling whatever's being said in or felt in the song. I really like to dive into the energy of the musician, whoever is, if it's like a live musician or just, you know, a song that's playing and feel what it is that they're feeling and embody that fully, even if I'm not feeling that in that moment. I mean, I could feel that like, but it's also possible that okay maybe I'm in a really sad mood I put on this song and I just feel what it, the song is saying and channel that and I get to embody that emotion as well and I try to do it for all songs I try not to just like oh okay I only want you know the this type of energy or these songs are the only thing that I vibe to and I just do it for everything and see what happens when you just allow yourself to channel whatever emotion whatever energy whatever like feeling it is as opposed to being like um selective with certain ones and that's a great practice um another one i would say is getting on all fours and like fully i'm even gonna do it right now just like fully connecting with their primal essence and remembering that like primal natural essence within ourselves and maybe even like if you're outside like getting in the dirt like getting dirty climbing becoming like a primal animal uh, climbing trees and remembering our like full, like prime, like primate essence, just like really connecting with the earth um, is such an amazing, or even like rolling around, like literally getting on the floor and like uh, creating noises, whatever wants to come through the voice as well too, is super powerful because then it's like, it's moving the energy and maybe it's moving and it needs to be released through the throat. So it needs to come up and like, ah, and so not being ashamed of making these like quote unquote like weird sounds through the, that practice, that movement practice is so important too. So being able to obviously be in a space that you can do that without disturbing others is is ideal. Yeah, that's why it feels so good to like stretch. <laughs> like when yeah. I, like you wake up in the morning, it's like the body just likes the damn light turned oh. Um <laughs> Like literally just like it, like it feels so good. And it, it, it feels like you're like being a kid again. Yeah. 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 And that's another great embodiment practice. It's just like connecting with your inner child in whatever way that feels appropriate for you. Because when we're a child, like we're not holding back. We're not like, oh, I don't want to do this because I'm embarrassed. This person, like before we had that, like that part of our mind comes online, like embody that part of our inner child. That's mm -hmm. like, I just want to go run over here and do this. I'm like, climb this and, and roll on the floor here and like doing those things. And like still maintaining the like wisdom of the adult mind and really integrating both the inner child and like your inner like adult is so powerful, so powerful. Mm -hmm. Because there, there's so much embarrassment, like seriously, like there, there's literally so much embarrassment. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just commit my life to becoming free and then yeah. through, through being free myself, other people can, you know, just like tap into that same energy yeah yeah and they feel it they vibe off you they're like oh he can do it so I can do it so I don't actually have to be ashamed to 
share this aspect of myself, I can actually like express it. And then we live, literally get to live in a more liberated world, a world that's more embodied, a world that's more authentic to who they truly are, as opposed to living in fear or trying to hide behind or hiding behind shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's like we, it's almost like we don't own ourselves whenever we are um, cutting off an aspect of our expression. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, like we literally like disown ourselves or like we cut ourselves off from all that we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah. And we are so much and we're so powerful and we have so much energy inside of us. And it's almost just like the only thing that is stopping us is the, the only the blocks that we put and we impose within ourselves mm-hmm. for whatever reason or another that the mind has come up with. Yeah. And that's like, and, and kind of like we were talking about earlier, like it's kind of like a game, like every time that you somatically like move yourself into a different experience, something that's new, then there's no like going back. Like you can't, like you can't be necessarily like that enslaved again. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you start to feel it, you're like, okay, no, like this is not like, it might start to come back in because the mind, you know, does what it does. But then we have, we remember like, okay, I know that I'm more than this. I don't have to like hold myself to this. What can I do to shift out of this? What can I do to raise my vibration? You know, and like to really tap into the feeling of what, what was felt previously in order to like bring it back because, you know, it's like, things happen we become also we're, we're so empathetic and we start to feel the energy of others and we might be around a group of people that are feeling some type of way and have like a specific like predominant emotion and we might actually start to to feel that too we have to recognize okay like come back to my center that's not who i am and then decide like do i need to be surrounding myself around these people continuously if it's like bringing me down and that's where people get to also like make big shifts in their lives in order to, to stay in the vibrational state of alignment that they choose, that they wish to be in. Mm-hmm. Have you taken um, any of the, the human design tests? Yeah, yeah, I'm a projector. Okay, I'm a, um, an emotional manifester. Okay. That's just like the, <laughs> I think it's just like called manifester, like I don't really know. Um, yeah. But I'm but why I'm asking is because I'm curious about like the auras and how, like, I'm curious if you know, like, anything about that, because I know that each, like, type has, like, a different aura, and, like, how um, energy is, like, moving is, like, different. Yeah, it's more of, like, where you make uh, decisions from, right, mm-hmm. like, the, the, the solar plexus and the sacral, you know, and I was just looking up that, the inner authority you're talking about, right? Yeah. I literally, hold on, I, I just actually looked at mine up again, let me see if I can find it. Um, yeah, it's funny. Okay. (laughs) So the whole thing that I'm talking about with the solar plexus, it's very interesting because that's actually my inner authority, emotional, the solar plexus center. So I guess that's probably what you are too with, but with the generator as a generator, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we deeply feel things there. And like, that's, that is the part of us that we get to really like tune into in order to make decisions from but it takes like a very deep level of like tuning in because okay am i just 
embarrassed because of something right now or is my as is something moving there in order for me to know right from wrong or this direction from that direction because that is essentially like that part of us that makes decisions um so it makes sense that we have a lot of activity there too and yeah. maybe even more so than others who have an inner authority and in, in like a sacral region or a different area mm-hmm. okay sweet um I haven't gone I've done a lot of um like astrology readings I haven't gotten like a specific like deep dive into um the human design I've only just kind of like researched it myself or talked to people about it but I think it's fascinating and it really makes sense for me being a projector because um like within everything in my whole life even with this conversation right now like I so as as a projector the strategy in life is to wait for the invitation so and when we are invited then we can speak and be received but if almost like at any point if I tried to speak or share or give in any way without being invited it is a very different energy very very different energy in my in my reality than if I'm invited it's like rejected like I like <laughs> that's very yeah. like, it feels like, internally feels like not right like you should not be speaking right now people get mad at me I get like a lot of reje- rejection and resistance if I'm not invited. When I'm invited, it's like I can also channel so clearly. <laughs> but other than that, it's like nope, not the time, right. and I'll, it'll trigger people very deeply too. Mm-hmm. I resonate with that deeply because, okay, so the the human design it's like broken into like three different views. So there's like the the quantum view, which is like everything, like in totality and combination then there's the body view, and then there's the mind view. And so my mind is reflector, my body oh. is projector. So I resonate with that, like from the projector, it's like that, yeah. that desire for an invitation in order to open. Yeah. And then from a quantum, from like the grand scheme, it's like manifester, which is, I don't, I still have to do more research on that. Yeah. Um, Interesting. But yeah I, I resonate with that that's super interesting i'm curious like your your astrology that like your sun moon and rising <laughs> i was just gonna ask you that um so my sun is gemini my moon is scorpio and my rising is sagittarius okay cool yeah that all makes a lot of sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah which one like which one like resonates the most do you think um, well, definitely like you being a Gemini and just like being in this space of like inquiring, looking for information, for knowledge and wisdom, speaking with a lot of people, like get connecting with that higher mind that that totally makes sense. Um, everything that you're saying about like w- about transformation and healing and, and like unleashing parts of yourself, like that's totally like Scorpio death and rebirth, wanting to transform, wanting to like you know, shed those layers and, and connect deeper with who you truly are. And then like rising Sagittarius freedom, like that's all freedom, like like connecting with like higher mind, higher learning, like travel, like I, I can see that you're, you're just like all about freedom. And you spoke about that multiple times here too. So mm-hmm. that, that totally makes sense. And I, I would have, if anything, I would have guessed Sagittarius and like the kind of like Sagittarius is like how you come off or your rising is how you come off. Like in a social setting as well too so that like totally makes sense and i have a lot of sagittarius energy so i, I connect deeply yeah. i said yeah. I, I sense fire in you yeah well it's funny because 
it's not in the main part actually in the Sagittarius the fire comes from uh, my Mercury my Venus and my Mars are all in Sagittarius um but my uh I am a Capricorn or sign my moon is in Aquarius and my rising is Pisces okay so yeah. how is it so, so how is that like how do you how do you understand that I understand that as like I'm constantly working like Capricorn is like very very like work oriented structured however like when people see me they're like you are a really free like Capricorn like I don't understand like because it's like my work is freedom is like the connection to the spiritual realm the connection with ourselves connection with our own like inner like freedom of our liberation so I'm constantly working towards that so it doesn't seem that I'm working all the time but that's like what I'm here doing whether I'm dancing whether I'm you know speaking on a podcast or whether I'm like working on Unleashed, which is, you know, the event that I'm producing. Um, and also I understand it as my moon is in Aquarius. So I can be like very intuitive for like what's going, what's being, what's not said in a room or what's not said between you know people um, and tune into that. Sometimes I'm not even so aware of it, but it's like, it's there. And I'm learning now more and more how to like really deeply listen to that because it is very, it is very clear when I'm in that state of alignment um and also it's an interesting like dynamic because the pisces is very like emotional very connected and then the aquarius can like be very detached so i have like all these intense emotions but sometimes it can be hard to access them because the aquarius has been able to like shut it off because oh it's too much or like too much feelings or too much emotions and pisces is also so deeply connected spiritually with like everyone and everything that we feel people so intensely that it can be like quite overwhelming especially when there's a lot of like negative energy in a space so I think like from just my childhood I've learned how to numb myself how to block myself off which goes back with everything that we were talking about from before and now it's this process of like de of resensitizing feeling everything again hence the whole tantra practices and then learning okay how do I keep myself centered why not like you know feeling the energy like these lower vibrational energies so much that they weigh me down and I don't get to fully express so there's a whole lot going on in there but when I can really like tune in and be super clear like there's a lot of power a lot of wisdom and a lot of um like magic to share <laughs> it's a yeah. lot it's a, yeah. it's a beautiful interpretation. What, the, what, what stands out the most um, is the Capricorn sun. Like there's something that I drew from that. And it's like something I've been thinking about, uh, thinking a lot about lately is like ambition, right? Mm, and I realized that a lot of ambition, quote unquote ambition is fear. You know what I mean? And I've been yeah. thinking like, okay, like, the heart's ambition is different because it's like there's just because you're coming from a place of aligned action so mm -hmm. it's not like you always have to be like doing like all these things like whatever because it's I, like I feel like a lot of the work is actually energetic mm -hmm. um, and yeah. not as much like physical like it's more like spiritual work energetic work and then However, that wants to manifest physically, that's, you know, what needs to be done is done. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know that even me, like being in meditation and like focusing on clearing my 
energetic channel is like even I'm, I'm working like there's never I'm not I'm not you'll never really find me just sitting around like watching tv I, I don't even I actually I want to watch more documentaries and stuff but like just being like something that's like mindless or not working at all is not that doesn't usually happen anymore for me so yeah I feel the same way it's like I, I'm just not even attracted to it yeah like it yeah. Like, it honestly feels like my entire life has just been, like, deep work. And I don't mind, you know what I mean? But it's, yeah. like, it's insane how, like, I, like, sometimes I feel like 100% of my thoughts revolve around, it's, like, philosophical and introspective and quiet. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just always, like, yeah, and I'm sure you feel the same way, like, especially, like, with your involvement and embodiment. Like there's always something to understand. Yeah, always. It's like, it's constant. It's like even a plant medicine journey, something like that's deep work. Cause I know like the more I clear within myself, the more I have to share with you, with anyone that I'm here that I'm talking with. And mm -hmm. it's great to be able to be on, you know, podcasts and things like that, where I can, where the message can get out to a wider audience, as opposed to just speaking with someone one-on-one -on -one and it never being heard again. So I'm also really grateful for this, this opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to have you. So a couple more questions for you. One, I see that you work with fire. Yes. Throughout, so like, what's your relationship to fire and how do you understand that? Yeah. So um, it has been one of the most transformative experiences connecting with the element of fire. Before um, I got into embodiment practice, I wasn't so aware of my connection with the elements. And it has been a process of one, uh, working with some dancers who are really deep in embodiment and who like intentionally invoke the elements within their dance in order to be more expressed. So I've learned a deep connection with the elements through um, a few teachers of mine. And uh, one of them has really shown me first how to not even have to need, need fire in order to connect with it, but like tune into the energy of fire element within myself in order to burn away fears, shame, guilt, anything like that, but also connect with the elements of water, air, earth, and, and learn really how to channel those energies within myself so that I become more of me. I can connect with the element of water in order to really deeply connect with my emotions and, and bring in the fluid feminine but fire specifically, I actually um, went to Burning Man for the first time five years ago, and I saw a bunch of fire dancers deep in the flow state, connecting with the fire, connecting with that energy, connecting with just everyone there, while in performance together. And it was one of the most mind-expanding, mind-blowing experiences I've ever felt. Like, I literally felt something inside of me moving and changing as I was watching them. And I was like, something came over me was just like this is what you need to do like learn this do this and I just listened that year I traveled like South and Central America and I kept I had learned a little bit of toy which is one of the tools that I used to spin fire with I had learned a little bit before I went to Burning Man but then after that whole trip I just like non-stop was practicing and then I started spinning fire when I was in Mexico and Guatemala and then I started performing and then I realized like, wow, this is actually like what I've always wanted to do my whole life is be a performer. And here I was ashamed of being seen. And the fire helped me to literally burn away that fear. And the fear of being seen, the fear of expressing myself, the fear of showing my creativity, the fear of showing my body off. I was also used to be very ashamed that I had such big breasts and I got so much attention and I felt like I needed to hide myself because I didn't like all the attention and all of that was 
or more shame, contraction in where the solar plexus, lower closing the heart off. So it was this process of like literally expanding, burning away that fear, being seen, dancing, and then finding more and more parts of myself. And then, oh, my throat wants to open now too. Cool. That's a whole other, that's a whole other level that I didn't even think I was addressing when all I was saying was I just wanted to dance and spin fire. Then it was like, oh, now this is actually a way that I get to be an artist and express my message through my art, through like my voice as well too, as I'm teaching now. And and it's just been like something that has literally helped me tap into me and help teach others how to tap into themselves. Mm -hmm. That's a very like, um, that's so fascinating. And it's so like integrated because it's like, it's like your masculine, like kind of inquiring and discerning like what's needed at this moment. And then literally just providing uh, the river banks for the feminine river to flow however it wants to flow. And so how do you like invoke those elements within you? Like how do you actually like summon that energy? So a really dear friend of mine, I've been working with her for a few years now. Her name is Alana Meta, and she's put together this practice called the Meta Method, which is connecting with, like through dance with earth, air, water, and fire. And there's different ways in which we can move like fire. We can move like water. We can move like air. And we can move like earth in order to connect and embody those elements. And then once we do, we can start to see, okay, what's, what's present in me? Like, can I sit and feel, all right, I just danced as water for like, 10 15 minutes now like what's coming up for me and just taking note and observing and whether it's like writing or singing or releasing like you might go into like a fire practice like very intensely like connecting with my inner fire burning away things and then all of a sudden like I feel like I need to scream and then that releases an energy that was blocked before so like also yeah it really depends on what's present within and what needs to be moved and what emotions are kind of like going through in that space but yeah dance like through dance through you know connecting like learning how to um what the properties of each element are and then moving in that way mm -hmm. that's I, i'm actually it's interesting that you responded in that way because part of me was like hoping for like a very like clear and direct answer like fire feels like this 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 is this earth is this 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 air boom 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 but that takes away from the fullest expression of whatever it is and so how i'm thinking about it is like really just like i have to like experience my body just directly and then make sense of it that way so i can write down like fire earth air water on paper and however i think it feels and i can just write that down and invoke it by simply remembering that experience. Yeah. And like, and, and, and it's like, you know, there's different ways also like with earth, you, you would be in more of like, you're stomping on the ground, really connecting with your root chakra, the, the lower chakras in your body and feeling that. And then the air and then air is like, is also the mind. So like how do we just feel very whimsically letting go the air is everywhere it's, it's everything so it's you know there's you can do very expansive movements water is fluid so it's it's emo it's emotion it's our emotions so like how do we 
you know, move fluidly like that. And then what comes up in our bodies when we are moving like this, when we are embodying us, when we're thinking about it intentionally as well. Mm -hmm. So water is like kind of like air, but a little deeper. Yeah, yeah. And air can also be like you're moving just with your breath. Like is, how is your breath moving you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. I'm so fascinated by... Cause it's like, it's like archetypal, you know, it's like yeah. so fun, like in this human experience, to like play with these different expressions of ourselves. Yeah. 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 And like, then like my, my teacher, who's a good friend of mine, she would say at the end, after dancing as earth, as air, as water and as fire, then dance as all the elements like the meta and, and how is that and rep, rep, recognizing that that is who we are. So dancing as ourselves, all of these elements, and then what do we look like when we're just fully us, fully free, fully connected to all the elements and embodied within them. And then that's just our unique mm. expression. Yeah, because it, it's very easy to shame yourself or to like mark yourself off as a, you know, as a narcissist or like whatever it may be. If, for example, you really care about like how you dress or something like that. But it's like lately, like that's something that I've really been having fun with. It's like, I like just because like, you know what I mean? It's like having fun with all the different expressions of ourselves. Like, it doesn't mean I'm caught up in it and I'm wrapped up in it and hoping that it gives me something, but it's like really entering that place of the child and having fun with Mm. the playground. Mm -hmm. So... what would you recommend for someone who feels like they are stuck right now or in the basement? Mm. I'd say really just start to tune in. I mean, through, through dance specifically, connecting with the elements, seeing if you're resistant towards one of them. Like if you're like, okay, let me move as water. And there's like a big level like of resistance in my body towards moving fluidly. Like, what does that mean for me? Like, and start to kind of like analyze yourself in that way. Like, why would I be resistant in water? And what am I resistant like towards allowing to just be free and flowing and tuning into yourself in that way. So seeing like looking at where we're resistant and then feeling what's going on within yourself. And also sitting in stillness and in meditation and seeing like, where am I not allowing myself to breathe into? Like, where, where do I feel restriction in my breath? And very deeply like focusing there. So not only staying in movement, but also after movement, going in stillness and okay, what's present for me, what's alive. And then just breathing, like literally just breathing really deeply into the low belly, into the chest and seeing like, how can I expand myself through my breath? and recognize that that's also my love. That's my energy. That, that's who I am. That's my life force. So why would I be blocking off a part of myself, a part of my life force, a part of my love? And then having compassion, like instead of going into spaces of like, oh my gosh, like what have I done? Or who am I? Or like, or, or looking down upon yourself in any way, just like deeply feeling like I accept and I love myself for everything and my past and my future in this present moment and only moving through love from there. And just like never being hard on yourself, never trying to like put yourself down in any way, just like really coming at it from the space of love or else you'll literally keep yourself stuck in a cycle of of being trapped. And always remembering that 
like through movement and through dance, like anything can be, can be moved. And also like our hands can heal us. Like if there's pains in our body, like start to explore your body. Like what's going on like in my back there? Like, huh, that's my hands are kind of like telling me to move this way. And like, oh, there's some tension, like just exploring and really feeling yourself. Like not only just energetically internally, but like literally physically. I've done a lot of healing through like the knee injury that I've had and other things like with my hands and recognizing that I can like literally move energy and like physically manipulate like the fascia, which is the connective tissue in the body. And like, and start to like tune in like, oh, there's like a, like a trigger point here that kind of feels like it's blocking my leg from working properly. Like, can I work on that area and breathe into it more and actually open it myself? So our hands can literally heal us. That's powerful. Um, so what is your vision for a new earth? A vision for a new earth? Oh, free freedom. We have a lot of people who are literally just living from their heart space. There is um, a deep connection with ourselves and with nature. So we're living synergistically with the nature as opposed to cutting down trees and literally like cutting everything down in order to live but living symbiotically with the natural environment and we're we're dancing we're expressing ourselves we're not holding back we're living from space of from our heart so we're connecting deeply with ourselves and each other we're having conversations that are heart-centered and revolve around you know some sort of purpose in life each individual is connected with their purpose and and feels like a sense of wholeness within. So all of these practices and help us to really achieve that space and achieve that state of alignment. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. And then finally, what to you is the meaning of life? Meaning of life. remember our divinity through love literally remember who we truly are beyond these bodies beyond this this physical reality and recognize that there is so much more and that's like everything is a teacher that is teaching us how to remember that how to remember our interconnectedness of our divine connection between ourselves and each other so remember that there, this, there, this field of energy that I can't even see is the same as you, as me, as, as those trees. And remembering that and taking that essence of like that cosmic ethereal essence and grounding that into this reality, being the bridge. So that that's the meaning of this life. life. Yeah. And that, it's, like, and that it's all love. It's literally like all of that is love. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Answer. It's like that field of energy that we can't see is teaching us how to see. It's trying to um, break through all this, these concepts of opposites. Mm -hmm. and, and perhaps that's where the love is. So yeah, well, Jenny, I really appreciate you being on this podcast. I love talking to you. Thank you so much. It has been an honor to speak and to have been invited. 
and to be here sharing all of this with you and to connect deeply with you as well too. I really feel you. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you. And I'll talk to you soon. Amazing. Talk soon. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Bye.
unless you half see. No, I see it completely. No, you have one eye open. You don't understand the point. Mm. Point is to uh -huh. give it back. You know? Yeah. And that's that's why all that's why the pilgrimage, that's why the hero's journey. Why do you think Jesus didn't finish his days in a cave? Why do you think the Buddha went around and did what he did? Why do you think Martin Luther King went and made sure? Why do you think? Why do you think Abraham? Every story of every Zarathustra went kingdom to kingdom, hundreds and hundreds of years before the the Bible. All of these stories of these enlightened ones, Merlin. Every story of enlightened people, they there was an enlightened being that came and woke mankind up in that time period. You have the Arthurian tales of Merlin the magician coming and waking people up. You have the stories of Sunat Kumara, the peacock angel, right? Shamanism again, seven chakras, seven notes in music, seven colors. This is not ironic, you know? Um, Jesus, Christ, Christ was a title bestowed upon the man named Jesus after his death. Christ means enlightened one. Um, the story of uh, the story of Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareans were the enlightened ones. Naz Nazareth wasn't even necessarily a place. We they say it was this place, but the ancient sayings also say it was a state of knowingness, similar to how the Masons would say someone is on the level. Level is not a place; it's a level of understanding. For example, Zoroaster became Zarathustra when he reached his enlightenment to realize when he saw beyond light and dark. He saw the one truth, which was referred to as Ahura Mazda. Ahura Mazda in the language of Avasta means the uncreated one. The, the origin of the truth of the understanding of life eternal. So powerful and basic, you know? And so all of these stories of these enlightened beings are about them coming back into society and waking these people up, period. Yes. Not about running off into a cave and writing a book when they died. These people were so busy, they didn't write their own book. Right. Because that's so well put, man. Because they, have, they have no choice. Like it's- They understand. It's the, it's like the truest like warriorship training. Thank you. Because it's like, whenever you- <laughs> You get it. <laughs> experience connection, you realize that connection is all or nothing. So like, absolutely, like, it's like you can't feel connected unless everyone else feels connected. So like, you really have no choice. <laughs> like, you there is no choice. There is no choice. You understand. You know, you stand. You you understand. You see. You know, it's like the woman that's. It's like you hear stories about superhuman things. Like, um, a child gets run over by a car, and the woman runs up and like lifts the car for the child to escape. They didn't make a decision. It was instantaneous action. You know, some things are beyond decision. You don't think to breathe. You're not thinking to breathe. You're not thinking to think. We're trying to, trying to think of how not to think. <laughs> We're trying to unthink, you know, you're trying to unlearn, you know, but ultimately these things will just dissipate. These should I, should I not? Ah, all those, the, I haven't had this type of thinking. And the last, I was telling, I haven't had a thought like, should I, should I not? Think, think, think. I haven't had this internal conversation in like over seven years. I have singular thought, like a cobra. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't have like conversations in my head. And guess what? You know what the byproduct of that is? Peace. 
Peace. Okay. I'm not. Uh, so how do you? Because I'm not having, I'm not spending 50% more mental energy on this, on the same. I can go through my day and have the, the experiences and thoughts and reflections on my experience today. But eight years ago, the mental energy is double because I'm analyzing <laughs> everything. How the hell can you be at peace when you're running at 200%? You can have a full tank of gas. You can have a nice car. But if it's redlined the whole time, it's going to be overheating. You know, And that's the nature of it. Look at this nice car I have, but you're redlining. I'd rather have half the car, a 3,000 RPM gliding through, right? And most people would. And the question is how? You know, and uh, and that's part of the process. But you know, there's a lot to it. But at the same time, it's all basic. It's all basic. We complicate everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So 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 how do you like? It's not like it's. How do you get to that place of? Of of. I, I'm not, I don't remember the, the term that you used. singular thought. I think you said, yeah, that that's a very empowering place. And that that's what feels right. But, you know, obviously, like you said, it's very easy to get caught up into the mind. And so how do you, how do you really come from that place consistently? Um, I mean, it's, you have to be ready to go on the journey. You know, in Islam, I refer to all religions and I give talks on all these religions, right? So in Islam is a powerful word called, word called jihad, which has a massive negative connotation these days because the ignorance within Islam today of, may, of a mainly illiterate population in certain countries allowed for people to dictate to them what these things mean. You know, the word jihad as described, described ultimately was the war against darkness but it's a war against your own darkness. See, a jihad is an internal, eternal war. It's not about jihad outside here. It's an internal war against your own darkness. The darkness that is in the corridors of the unexplored connection within the soul and the darkness within the unexplored aspects of the mind in the subconscious at the same time. And so jihad is when someone declares spiritual maturity and a war against your own darkness. And so for, in order for someone to really take this serious, they have to take it from a militaristic aspect. You know, a lot of times, for example, you said warrior. You referred to warrior several times. Completely agree. And guess what else is on your side with that perspective? History of the whole world. Everywhere you go, the spiritual warrior was the highest and most respected in all communities. Go anywhere. Look at any time period in any geography in the world. Where does the word, um, for example, the Christian mystics, when be, before mysticism was created in Christianity, the first mystic warriors were the Templars. The Templars learned about mysticism from the Sufis in the first crusade when they ruled the, the Holy Lands for like 186 years. That's where Christian mysticism, Gnosticism became reestablished. The, the word Jedi from Star Wars, where does Jedi come from? The Jedi come from the Jedi. The Jedi are the Egyptian priest warrior class from ancient Egypt. They were the most respected. Look at every aspect everywhere. The warrior priest has always been. 
the highest expression because they have mastered the spiritual and the physical. They fight darkness in all dimensions, in oneness within their truth. That is the point of anyone who wants to make an impact in this world. You can only fool people for so long. Though ultimately the word enlightenment, you know, when they talk, when there's a story of King Solomon, you've heard of King Solomon? Mm -hmm. Okay, so King Solomon was is is um, accepted and revered in all of the monotheistic religions muslim christian catholics jewish everyone king solomon they say of course there's some mystical stories they say he had a ring and the ring gave him the ability to talk to the jinn jinn comes from the arabic word that means demon but daemon like d-a-e it which can be good or bad you know spirits right and so it says that he had the ability to he no one could lie the reason was <clears throat> that one time there was the story goes there was two women that were arguing over this new child both claimed to be the mother king solomon said well we don't know which one the mother is so bring the sword i'm going to cut the child in half and give each one of them the half of this child knowing that the real mother would let anything give up anything to let her new child live one of the women said no, she can have my child. Just please don't kill him. Please. That's how King Solomon knew that was clearly the mother who would, you know what I mean? And so the reason is, is because King Solomon was enlightened. King Solomon didn't have a ring. They gave him magic powers and spirits to tell him who's telling the truth. King Solomon was awake. Thus, he was able to see from the higher ascended point of himself, from the seventh chakra, and in the presence of the enlightened one, darkness cannot exist. In the presence of truth, deceit will be evaporated. Where once was dark, now you can see. This is the point. In the presence of the enlightened one, lies, deceit will not exist. It will be eradicated instantly. And this is in all dimensions whether through you know what i mean so that's the aspect of the warrior because it's it, it is a war it's a, there's this is a battlefield the the third dimension is an intersection between light and dark by design this is a battlefield and we can pretend like oh it's all love and light in the presence of light darkness cannot exist that's not true because if you're there in that presence, then you are half light and half dark. You are both. You are yin-yang. You know, you're masculine and feminine, left and right side of the body, the right and left side of the brain. You're both light and dark at the same time. You put into this world what you choose. That's why free will is, is our most powerful asset. You know? And... Uh, mm. Ultimately, we have to make the decision. So the question was like, how do you do that? By going stronger into the sixth sense, you know, I'll give you an example, like a, like a third dimensional example, right? I don't drink or do anything, but let's just pretend. Hey, Omar, you want to go out to, you call me, say, hey, Omar, let's go out and get some drinks. My higher self immediately goes, no, for whatever reason. I'll have early work day. My higher self goes, no. 
right? And I go, no, nah, I don't think so. And then either through you convincing me or me thinking about it longer, about five or 10 minutes later, I've come up with five or six reasons why not only should I go, but I deserve it, right? And then I go out and drink with you. And then what happens? I regret it the next day. Every time we go against our higher intuition, we always regret it. Ah, oh, I shouldn't eat that last piece of pizza. I'm going to do it anyway. You regret it. I shouldn't pick up this phone call. You pick it up, you regret it. I shouldn't go, I shouldn't sign, I don't like this apartment. You get it, you're going to regret it, right? Always. And that's because our higher self knows because our higher self is our higher self, right? It's our sixth sense, our intuition. That's why it's called women's intuition because what makes a woman physically a woman is inside of their body. They already have it. And as men, we have to really wake that up because what defines us as a man or a masculine embodiment is outside of our body. That's why we're like out here, you know, it's like the difference between dogs and cats, you know, but the once the more we can depict the difference between the higher self voice, and the lower self voice between the angel and the demon, the more we feed the, the light, the, 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 our truth, then the quieter that voice gets. But the tricky thing is, is that the ego is ever changing and the mind is always inventing. So it'll find new sneaky ways and new ways to whisper. Whisper, you should just do it. You know what I mean? And this is our internal battle between our demons. That's why the word jinn is jinn. Like jinn means like, uh, for example, the jinn or demon, like alcohol comes from the word al-kul. Al-kul, you know, there's demons, there's goblins, and there's ghouls. Al-ghul, the ghoul, right? Because al-kul means flesh-eating spirit. That's why jinn, the word for demon is jinn. That's why it's called wine and spirits. Because alcohol, if you drink enough alcohol, then you give possession of your darkness. You give your body possession of your darkness. If you, no matter who you are, if you drink enough alcohol, the next day someone's like, dude, you know what you did last night? You're like, no, what did I do? Oh, you called your girlfriend a bitch. You stole a car. You got into a fight. You don't know what you did because technically you didn't do it, but you did. Because the free will of giving possession of your darkness through the alcohol, the consumption of the alcohol, which is black magic on yourself. Wow. <laughs> Dude, that was so well put. Thank you. Right. I mean, it's, it's just, it is what it is, brother. Right. Okay. So what are three things right now that you would recommend to the listeners, whether it's, you know, a practice or a book podcast, whatever it may be, or like, or a spiritual teacher, whatever, what is it that you would recommend? Three things right now, the day after the election, um, or the day after, um, um, so, so, okay, I'm back, um, regarding a book, you know, the truth is I've only read like 10, 10 books in my life. I've read less than 10 books in my life total. So that's a tricky one. So I, I, I don't, I can't, I don't, I can't really read like, mm -hmm. you know, I've read, but I can't, I just, 
you know, it's just most of the stuff is just connection is there. So leave the books alone for now. Um, Regarding, so things to explore. I mean, I don't like to make such blanket statements, but I would say for sure, um, you know, shamanism is becoming very, very, very mainstream right now, like for sure, right? Um, and it's for good reason and for bad reason. It's for good reason because um, the direct experience is the most important thing. Like our organization, like you're in search of theonosis. And theonosis means, it's comprised of two words. Theo meaning supreme creator and gnosis means wisdom through direct experience. So our organization, the Universal Theonosis Society is people who are in search of wisdom through a direct experience, you know? through the practices and and teachings through ancient shamanic mysticism, you know? And so our organization is a, a good thing to look into, theonosis.org. Um, my Instagram, I post lots of stuff uh, on the Instagram. Um, I travel in the United States primarily between like Miami, New York, Los Angeles, and seven other cities. Um, unfortunately, the majority of the public events have been closed because I'm not going to give people the illusion of talk about, you know, fear, like the eradication of fear while we're wearing masks. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not conducive. So my, I used to have, you know, hundreds of events a year for people to experience. Monday, I fly. Tuesday is a talk. Wednesday is a meditation. Thursday is shamanic breath. Saturday is a ceremony, you know, so depending on where you are. Um, So I would say, you know, I have a podcast that I episode about ayahuasca that I that I that I did maybe a year ago. is It was a good one. It's called "What Is Ayahuasca?" Couldn't get any more clear than that. I think that it's important to know, as an ayahuasca, I think that the to know that there is a possibility that this is a door that exists within our earth is more important now than ever. I'm not necessarily saying that everyone should go run out and drink ayahuasca. I'm saying that we should, you should explore that door as a possibility. I think that's, I think it's my responsibility to tell people the possibility through this blessing in this medicine. I think that breath work is one of the most powerful things we can ever do. Breath work is super important and super powerful. Um, I don't have any online breath courses because I, I am, I'm starting to allow myself to get into this like virtual space, but I'm a connecting person. You know, even just doing this type of interview on, on, a, on a phone like this a year ago, nope, I get, we got to be in person. You know, that's just, I'm old school with certain things, you know, but I'm, I'm in my path, you know, I'm, I'm trying to break free of, of those, you know, it's better to be heard some way than to be not heard, you know, mm-hmm. there's 7 billion people on the surf. I can't physically see each one of them, but I can connect. I have the possibility to connect with each one of them before I die, right? So, and through these medias, you know, so we have to use the same way they're using to control the people I can use to help un- to break the chains, you know? So um, my social media, if they want to stay in contact, I post a lot of stuff there. Um, breath work, look into ayahuasca, listen to that podcast. Um, you know, actually, there is one book that I would recommend, which I know that there's YouTube videos of someone reading the book. There is an amazing author named William Walker Atkinson. 
William Walker Atkinson, this just came through to tell you, William Walker Atkinson was a man who wrote 70 some books in 30 years. There was a time period, I would call it a renaissance in this world. And it was from the 18, it was from like the 18, 1780s to like the mid 1800s. There was a new thought movement, okay? Madame Blavatsky, Thoreau, um, and there's many authors and William Walker Atkinson. William Walker Atkinson wrote this book in 1886 called, I'm sorry, it was 1820s to 1920s. That's a new thought movement. And this book was called Thought Vibrations, The Law of Attraction. And this was the first time the law of attraction was written. Okay. Now, fast forward, you've definitely heard of Napoleon Hill. Right? Okay. I, I had a, okay. Napoleon Hill's book was called Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich was when Napoleon Hill met the richest man in the world, Andrew Carnegie, who told him, you're going to work for me. I'm not going to pay you anything. But after you're done talking to these, these amazing titans of industry, you're going to write a book. And that's going to teach people the principles of success. But during that time, the one thing that unified beyond success of, of Ford and, um, and uh, Carnegie and all of these guys was their study of the mechanisms of, of personal growth through this book, Thought Vibrations, The Law of Attraction, when essence is like an American mysticism renaissance during this time period. The movie, The Secret, if you've seen The Secret, the movie, okay. Remember at the beginning, she's like, in the midst of all my troubles, my daughter gave me a book. And she opens the book and goes, <gasps> and goes down the rabbit hole. And that's when the, the movie, The Secret begins. That book is called Thought Vibrations, The Law of Attraction. So I read that book when I was uh, 17. And so like fast forward, like 10 years, The Secret came out. And it was like, my God, the secret, Omar, that, what you're saying sounds like the secret, the secret. Have you read it? I go, I don't read books. And then, then I watched the movie and all that was, was thought vibrations, the law of attraction that, that I, you know, that I was young. I was 17 when I read that, you know, uh, and it became oneness within me, you know? So the principles of mysticism, the principles uh, and, and mechanisms of the mind, the, the understanding of the system, the understanding of the chakras, the understanding of vibration, the understanding of breath, the addition of medicines, you know, ultimately you can believe whatever you want, but at the end of the day, this existence is made of three kingdoms, plant kingdom, the mineral kingdom, and the, and the animal kingdom. And that we are a part of the animal kingdom and we are the children of earth. And the plant kingdom is the feminine, the mother nature, right? The mother nature, and then father nature is the mineral kingdom, the mountains and the deserts. And there's medicines from the deserts, the cactuses, and there are medicines of the plant kingdom, 100,000 of them. And mother ayahuasca is referred to as the mother of all medicines. Thus, mother ayahuasca means mother nature. You're basically drinking mother nature, and she, the earth mother, teaches but the earth is a part of the universe. In Christian mysticism, they call the, they say Gaia, and then Sophia is the cosmic mother. It's the connection, you know? And so the children of earth, if they wanna understand their place on earth or in the universe, turn to the father and the mother, 
the same with the child talks to the mother and father when they're learning everything as well. The difference is we need to expand our understanding of what mother and father is to the mother and father of this earth as a part of the animal kingdom, turn to mother and father nature. That's where shamanism in the form of medicines comes in. And, you're, and it's important to make sure you know who you're going to experience medicines with because more now than ever, there's, there's uh, you know, it's amateur hour out here. Like it, it's a really interesting dichotomy that we're facing right now, but there's always hope. There's always going to be the change and those are going to be the possibility for everything to expand within ourselves. Dude, that's fascinating. I never, I never um, understood like how, I guess the origins or not the origins, but uh, the energy behind each of those kingdoms. Um, and, but, and it's beyond books because we can experience them. Right. That's the key. Mm -hmm. Wisdom. Yeah. And so finally for you, my final question, what to you is the meaning of life? Ooh, the meaning of life. I did a video on that too. Did you see that? I'm not on my, <laughs> on my Instagram, on my Instagram store, um, Instagram. What is it called when you have it? Like in the uh, middle. It's like on your feed. It's IGTV. Okay. Yeah. So I have some videos. Who am I? The meaning of life and something else we talked about. So all three of those videos on there, but um, I think the, the meaning the meaning of life is only going to be understood to each of us individually as we experience the journey of life, you know, and that's ultimately the life will have its meaning that will define itself through the journey of life. We're always trying to find out the end, but there was no, the person at the end of that journey became that person through the journey. That's the meaning of life is you're finding out with every breath. See, if you even look at it from the, if you take it from what's the meaning of my life and bring it down to like, what is life, right? Well, life is breath. A shaman understands the value of each breath. So when you take a breath in, a life is created. And when you let it go, what was the purpose of that life? What was the purpose of that life, that breath? And it's whatever you charged it with. And that's the power of a single breath. And that is the dimension of understanding of life that the shaman works with and over the reality of the room, you know? That's the power of a breath. And for example, what's the difference between a drop of water and a drop of cobra venom? Two drops of liquid. Water? Cobra venom. Difference is two things. One is the intention behind it. And number two is the degree of concentration into the intention or thus creation, vibration behind inside that drop. And then what's the difference between venom and poison? Cobra doesn't have poison. The cobra has venom. It becomes poisonous when your body accepts it as poison, otherwise it's just venom. And if we can get that serious and that concentrated, then we're not going to have 
this world will change real fast. I mean, one, one Jedi is going to, you know what I mean? Like is, is different, is, is going to counteract 100,000 slaves, mental slaves, you know? That's for sure. So the more we can get serious about, uh, about this and, and everything I'm talking about, I'm speaking about from experience. Um, you know, I'm not conceptually talking about, if I am, I will describe it as conceptual, you know, but everything I talk about, I can also show you, meaning I can provide you with the space for you to have your direct experience. What that direct experience will be, I don't control, but you will have that experience, whether it's in meditation, breath work, ayahuasca, whatever, it doesn't matter. The degree of experience in which someone's looking to have the dimension of depth or height is based off of how deep you want to go. Within that dimension, that's the spiritual journey. And the meaning of life is that journey. Everyone has the same journey. How you get to it is completely different. You can be inspired by the teachings of the, of the life of Jesus. But your point is not to follow and retrace the steps of Jesus, nor Buddha, nor Abraham. That was their journey. The point is they followed their higher self, their sixth sense on their journey. The purpose of your life is not to follow them. It's to be inspired by them, sure. But I'm not running around trying to be Jesus. My goal is not to be Moses. Between Jesus or Moses, there's been two to 3,000 years between them and now. If we're not at a higher state, there's been 24 or 26 Buddhas in, 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 since Buddhism first, first materialized. If I'm trying to shoot my goals as a shaman or, uh, or spiritually as someone who lived 2,000 years ago, then I have very low expectations because the amount of wisdom and experiences and understanding of everything that we have now and access to, there is no limits, you know? And so we need to be facing, our, facing forward in the journey of life, not trying to talk about moving forward by using the past and trying to recreate the past. That's never going to work. And so the meaning of life is going, is, is going to be described for each person in their beautiful journey of experiencing life. But my meaning of life is to transmit this journey to show people doorways, turn lights on and point and, and show doors. I turn lights on and I show you door handles. You know? Yeah. I love that, dude. I, I, I don't believe I'm supposed to tell anybody what they're supposed to do with their life, good or bad. You know what I mean? But I'm supposed to definitely assist people. In, in the understanding of, you know, and eradicate darkness. Right. Well, you know. that was beautiful. And this was an amazing podcast, my brother. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I appreciate you. If you just let me know how I can help. Dude, absolutely. And um, I would love to do it, do this with you again at some point in the future. For sure. But dude, yeah, this was this was powerful. Thank you for, for bringing yourself. <laughs> so thank you, man. Of course, brother. And, uh, I'm in New York actually this weekend. 
I have a ceremony Saturday in uh, in Manhattan. Okay, I'm not in New York City. Yeah, no, um, I know. But yeah, but that's cool. Um, that's the journey. Yeah, of course, man. <laughs> well, thank you again, and I'll talk to you soon, brother. Yeah, brother. And what you said, you had something. Are we? You, you, 